What's up, everybody? It's Matt here. Welcome to another episode of Composer Code. Today it's episode 15, and my guest is Chase Bathia. He is a game composer, and just he was an absolute joy to speak with. I mean, he's just he's a great guy. Um, we talked a lot about different composition methods that he's employed in his recent projects, specifically uh, through composing versus looping. Had an interesting conversation about that. He shared some awesome, insightful tips for getting out of writer's block or pushing through writer's block. They're practical. Guys, you're really going to love this conversation. So without further ado, my interview with Chase Bathia. I'd love to hear the origin story, your origin story, how you got involved in music and more specifically what led you down this path to want to make video game music a career. Uh, let's see. I tell the story differently every time. So I'm going to wing it. <laughs> no problem, man. So let's see. Let's see if I could just start off. Well, I started off doing hip hop and R and B. Uh, I was doing, I was making like beats and stuff like that on FL Studio, FL three point one or whatever it, back in two thousand and one, two thousand two. And for seven years, I was told, even from the first beat that I ever made, that it's like a it sound like it should be in a video game. I was always told that no matter what beat I ever did, going through high school, going through a little bit of college. That was always what I was told and I couldn't get, escape that sound. And I, it really frustrated me until I went to a internet media company that had needed music. And when I was doing that, one of the IT guys had said, it's like, Oh, you know, this sounds like it should be in castle crashers. So again, like I hit that, I hit that sound mm -hmm. on the mark. Yeah. And then from there I was like, what the hell <laughs> so is this a sign of some sort so right, right i looked into it and was or started researching around 2000 2009 i want to say 2010 mm -hmm. and then i had discovered that it was a career and that i, I love music and i love games and i had always been playing games which is probably the reason why it was sounding that way mm -hmm. and from there I went down the path to become a composer. I thought I was going to be able to be a film composer as well, do that stuff. But games just kind of led me into that to the point where I bought like a couple books and I went online, submitted my work to a couple demos for people who were looking for music back in 2011, I want to say, mm -hmm. uh, 2000, actually it was 2009, 2010. And I got a job at a mobile media company where I was kind of doing some music for them and then officially freelance right after the company went defunct again and freelance again, I should say, and pitched for things online and landed my first freelance gig with the first demo I sent. Now, did you go through any sort of formal training when you were uh, young or did you just naturally have a proclivity for music that sort of kind of you, you yourself taught and it kind of evolved into this path or did you go to school for this? I played alto saxophone from fifth to seventh grade. I was an advanced okay. band and my dad had bought me that saxophone and then I didn't play for about several years and then I went to, when I, when the internet media company went under, I went to 
community college for my second degree. And that was in 2009. And then I started classical piano from there. I actually started okay. a year before, but I wasn't consistent. I was just kind of playing by ear still and doing all these other things. I already had a keyboard years before, but I wasn't, I didn't know about lessons and mm-hmm. things like that. I didn't know that was accessible. So I never thought about it mm-hmm. until I went to school and they had classes. And so I studied classical piano for about five, six years. And then I just, in the later years of university, I did a little bit of jazz piano. Okay. How do you think that affected your style? Because obviously hip hop, R&B, classical piano, worlds apart. Did you sort of fuse the two? Because as I was listening, it's funny that you mentioned, I kind of smiled when you said hip hop and R&B because I checked out a lot of your music before the show and I noticed a very distinct emphasis on rhythm and Mm -hmm. on beats. And so I almost got kind of a hip hop vibe where the beats were very carefully crafted, you know, and constructed. Um, Did you sort of fuse those two? Do you feel like you fuse those two styles in your in your work or where is your classical piano kind of led your styles? I did fuse them. I'm that's actually I think what makes my sound is I am able to fuse a lot of styles together and do it. Do it okay. I'm trying to get better at it, <laughs> but <Aren't> we all. <laughs> I I absorb a lot of things that I like, and a lot of that stuff that you've heard is probably the the adolescence and the early childhood, as opposed to now where it's it's I can tell that it's changing because I'm not introducing myself to so much music. I'm actually bringing it from here, and with mm. like myself and my heart. And I've cut down on a lot of music that I've been listening to. Also, a lot of music nowadays doesn't really get me. Like it doesn't, it doesn't sound that interesting. And so it's easy for me to kind of cut out and mitigate the lesser things that I could spend my time listening to greater stuff. In terms of where the classical parts fit in, it's usually just the theory in terms of mm, form yeah. and contrapuntal counter melodies. Uh, also or orchestration balance in terms of understanding how and when the, me- the melody needs to come out and, uh, and building the, the leitmotif and understanding and, then th- and adding certain things from my piano repertoire or from my practice in terms of like mordids or trills and a bunch of all that stuff comes into play when I'm writing now. Well, since I've actually went to school for it, like when I started in 2009, all that stuff started to seep in. So now it's probably rising a little bit more to the surface and Mm. as opposed to, and now I think it's a little more, it's conflated a little bit in terms of Mm -hmm. depending on the project that I'm on. Right. Right. You mentioned that a lot of your, your beats that you were making in high school were influenced by games and that you you yourself were playing a lot of games. What are some games or game soundtracks that you remember as a kid that really left like a a huge impact on you? Like for me, it was Sonic. Like the Sonic series was like the first real music I ever heard because my parents bought me a Genesis when I was like five or six. And so that (laughs) style really left an impact on me. Is it, was there a game like that that sort of did that for you? Yeah, I would say rhythmically, believe it or not. Um, even though I, I want to just be clear, the hip hop and the R and B, the rhythms that I really 
that I guess I didn't study them, but I, I gravitated to them a lot. The top two producers were Timbaland and Pharrell hands down back in the day. Those were the guys. Those were like the best beats you could probably have. They always had everybody dancing. There were knocker headbangers, whatever. But mm-hmm. in terms of like game music, the things that had influenced me the most is Alberto Gonzalez, who scored the video game Turok Battle of the Bonosaurus on wow. Game Boy. And if you listen to that, <laughs> that a lot of that music <laughs> I'm influenced by because also on the Game Boy for the, the 1989 or the color or whatnot, you could do sound tests. And so yeah. when I figured that out for some of the games, I just had it on loop and it would just put it somewhere in my dresser and just play it and do whatever I was doing and wherever I would just sit down, listen, or I don't know. I wasn't doing much, but I was listening to that on repeat a lot. The other games, I would say Batman forever on game boy. I also had a Sega Genesis. So I'd say Sonic a little bit had an influence on me, but I didn't, I didn't, I didn't gravitate to that sound, I guess as much as maybe Mm. I gravitated to like streets of rage Yuzo um, Koshiro mm. or the other one is I'm thinking about is, is solely escaping me but Comic Zone was another one. Oh yeah yeah there Mega Turrican has a really big time. impact on me I, it just depends on how how it like I played so many games in my life I mm-hmm. <laughs> and I own yeah. so many still that I realize that some of them are still coming at me like Stargate on Game Boy that that soundtrack is amazing too that so Game Boy was clearly Game Boy big, was my first the Game Boy style yeah. right and then I had Sega a little later like my dad had bought me the Sega for Christmas one time and brought home like 23 something games because Hollywood video was going out of business and I was psyched mm. and so I had those influences um Oh, Pebble Beach on Sega is a really big influence to me as well. Yes, Pebble <laughs> Beach. Golf links. It, dude, that soundtrack <laughs> slaps. I need to put that in the description. This yeah. this is, for some reason, okay, sports games, like old sports games, golf games, soccer, you know, uh, tennis, all that stuff on these old systems, they have some of the best music. It's unreal. NBA like, Jam. It's, it's crazy. So <laughs> NBA Jam. Yeah, absolutely. So I'm, I'm putting that in a description. And I think you win the award for the most niche influence because everyone that I've talked to has been like Koji Kondo, Mario, Pokemon. And, you know, it's like, okay, but you're just like Turok for Game Boy. <laughs> That's just so cool. Yeah. So a lot of people don't know about out. some of the... Th- they don't know about some of those soundtracks and they're really, they're big, like hidden gems in terms of like, uh, as well as it is a good game. That's what I don't, I don't know. I, I mean, I could go on about the, the list, but I don't even have all day and time. We could totally go- geek out about it over. Yeah. Whenever. That, but, that is fantastic. Yeah. Well, coming back to your process, you know, I'm curious now that you are, uh, well, well, that you've gone through your training in piano. Is that typically where you begin when you start composing a new piece? Do you kind of start on a MIDI keyboard or an electronic keyboard? Um, Walk me through your process. That little thing in the corner right there I've had for about 13 years, but I haven't always been writing on it. There was a time where I did have a piano at the house I was living in. And I learned during my classical training to bond with the instrument. Now you're saying, I know what you're thinking is like, I also own an alto saxophone again, but I don't play that as much because it gets kind of loud and whatnot. And I can at least control the volume on the piano, but Mm -hmm. I learned to build a relationship and this bond with this instrument. And to the point where 
I mean, if you were practicing an hour a day for five hours a day, you're going to get somewhat better at your instrument. Right. And so I was mm-hmm. doing that for about seven years. <laughs> and yeah. so I also had this, I also had this anime relationship in terms of with this anime called bleach. Not for oh yeah. I'm, I'm aware of bleach. Okay. I had, I had a buddy in high school who liked it. I've seen a few episodes. It's okay. good. Uh, not to spoil anything for anyone, but there's a part in the series later, 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 later on in the series where Ichigo has to build a bond with his, with his weapon and the weapon talks to him. It has its own soul. And when it talks to him, he's, it's saying that, Hey, we're supposed to be one together. So when I, I don't remember the specific words, but when he said that, I was kind of still starting my early classical piano training and I took that idea and put it with what I was doing because not all the repertoire sometimes that we receive is always the greatest. And we, when you start out, you know, it's really hard to practice and get through that, mm-hmm. that big hump. And so I had to really, I was relating with that with the anime where he was just like, I get it. It's not working. I'm trying as hard as I can. And I applied that to the instrument now like whenever i step at just even that little mini keyboard or when i do buy my upright piano for the house that i'm in then i i always have that connection no matter what i sit at no matter where i'm at and i also remember my my piano teacher told me she said we have we have a gift and a curse at the same time when if we're playing piano because we don't have to carry our instrument because we can't (laughs) heavy but at the the curse of that is we don't know how it's going to sound when we play it. So our job mm. is through our, our, our fingers to be able to be prepared to play on any piano that we touch. Mm, that's a really good point. How, how does that, that's, that's a, that's very interesting, by the way, I've never heard anybody kind of talk about that bond between music making device and music maker. How does that affect, how do you think that affects your composition and your work as a, as like a working composer, when you sit down and you, you have that bond with your instrument. I think it, again, it's coming more from my heart and music is supposed to make us feel something, right? Like I was, I heard someone say recently, you know, as humans, we can't live without air, can't live without water. We can't live without music. And I feel that music should at least move us in some kind of way. Whereas in, it doesn't have to always be positive. It could, it could make us feel angry. It could make us feel sad. Mm -hmm. It could make us feel joyful. And I'm, my goal is to express whatever is coming through my body into the instrument and out into someone's ears, into someone's psychological being that they are moved by it in some form or fashion, mostly positive, I hope in terms of Mm -hmm. like where they, they like it or they, or they're, they're addicted to it as if I, as I was addicted to it. Like, whereas I wanted to listen to the sound test over and over and over and repeat that song over. And I've heard, you know, um, what is it? I forgot the song from Shadow of the Colossus, but I played it like over 900 and something times on my iTunes list back in like 2000 and <laughs> 2009 or sometime where wow. I'm hoping to get to reach people that way, obviously, whereas yeah. in the, it feels like, if it, I guess if it doesn't catch you the first time, I planted the seed and you remember it for the rest of your life. Mm-hmm. What do you think is a, is a, I want to talk in a second about your, um, your most recent project, uh, Ground. 
because mm-hmm. um, that's the one that I really liked. And then I really heard a lot of your influences that I was talking about with the sort of the rhythms mixed with the chiptune. But before we get there, I want to ask, how do you think I want to kind of explore this idea of um, moving people emotionally like I obviously music is such a subjective thing mm. and who knows why we like the things we like, but in your experience, um, when you are composing for a game and you're trying to use this medium to maybe move people, what are some aspects of music that do that for you? Is it the melody? Is it the rhythm? Is it the chord progression? Is it the way they all congeal? Or is there something specifically to you that, that moves you? Like I can think of a few chord progressions, you know, for me personally, that when I hear them, it always gets me, you know what I mean? Is there something like that for you or, um, kind of explore that idea that you were just talking about? It depends on, we all go through a lot of moods throughout the day. And like right now it's raining. It's it's actually been raining in Los Angeles. God, thank you, God, for a couple of days now. And that's crazy for the mood. It, it depends how it gets me that day. Mostly chord progressions are the ones that, that hit me the most because my ear kind of gravitates towards that. But I've realized as I'm getting older, uh, I've always, I've always heard melodies first. And so now it's, it's like a layer flip. So now it's more melodies and then harmony and rhythm is something that is just within me all the time. So it just, not everything that I listen to of that I've heard has has rhythm, but it's mostly the timbre of the sounds and the orchestration, I would say, that I realize is the really core of what I'm realizing it is. It's not just like one thing. It's it's the entire painting. It's the, it's the color palette. Mm-hmm. And I realize that now. It's the color palette and the timbres that make it soar and and sings properly in, in all its form, in its complete art form. It is It is that. And when you say that, when you say orchestration, you don't just mean from an actual orchestra. You mean like anything, like whether it's chip tune or rhythms, it's just the way all the elements congeal. Absolutely. That kind of give you that feeling. Yeah, I totally agree, man. Because sometimes you take you take the disparate elements away and you listen to them on their own and it's nothing special, but something magical happens when you when you combine them all. So I want to talk a little bit about your a ground soundtrack, which I really like. It's got a lot of chiptune influences, but also just a lot of hybrid styles. Um, what was your approach? Um, if you could walk me through, um, cause a lot of people listening to the podcast are also interested in getting into the business of composition. So I would love if you could walk me through the whole story of like how you found that gig, how you landed that gig, and then what your process was like for composing for that, for that game. Sure. So I have been working with a developer, Fancy Fish Games, for uh, I would say seven years now. And so we've shipped about five or six games together. And so this is their next project and they brought me on. If I may ask, sorry, sorry to interrupt. How did you initially find them? Cause I find that that's, that's also a struggle for, you know, starting off composers is like, how do I get in that circle of trust? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Absolutely. What I tell people all the time is game jams. I, it's, that's all I say because it's the truth. Yeah. Uh, yeah. <laughs> so I was doing one game a month, uh, which unfortunately I think shut down last year and the developer was on, that site and somehow I found it on just researching a bunch about like 
game projects. And, you know, if you're on the internet enough, you, if you let your mind wander with the internet, then you'll get to, if, if, when you're focused on something and you mm-hmm. go for, use that focus in towards it, you'll find what you're looking for. So I found one game a month game jam. The developer was on there. He had posted that he was doing a certain type of horror game. And I had just finished shipping my first project that I, for the mobile phone, so I was looking for something else right after the bat. I thought that I was going to work with that developer more. And then he was like, it was just a hobby thing. I'm not doing it anymore. I was like, oh, okay, so I got to look for something else. And mm-hmm. when I found out about game jams, I was like, oh, this is, this is what I need to do. And so I found that developer. I saw that he was pushing for that. He said that he had a couple other people that were also wanting to be on the team to do music and sound. And I didn't wait. I just made, I just started making assets. I saw, I knew, understood the concept of what he wanted when I had read it. And I said, well, you know, I can just use this for something else if he doesn't like it, but I really want to be a part of this project for this game jam. So I've just started making assets. That is fantastic. And I need about- uh, I'm going to say one quick lesson because there's a huge lesson to be learned here. Number one, I completely echo what Chase is saying for everyone listening. Game jams are huge. I did my first game jam this past year and it was an incredible time. We uh, I made a lot of really great friends and it was just such an awesome experience to learn how to work with a team. But also, I think it's super uh practical and proactive that you saw the brief and you started making assets. That is huge because that's going to set you apart you know, from other composers or other people like to show how proactive you are in doing that. And that may even free you up in to do other games, because I know composers that would compose for like three different games at game jams, you know. So for those of you listening, game jams are amazing. Find mm-hmm. one in your city if you can and do it and make assets beforehand. Anyway, I just felt like there was a teachable moment there. So continue. <laughs> no, that's cool. The So yes, absolutely. Game jams are the way to go. This is how you get started it, for most people. And you never know. Sometimes those games go on to be commercial successes, as we've seen. I'm sure Matt, you've seen as well. And oh yeah, so, binding, binding of Isaac. You exactly. Know, out just to name up, just name one. <laughs> right. And right. So exactly. I he with me being proactive. He was impressed by the the quality of work that I was putting out and how fast I I got him two tracks and a couple sound effects within like a day. And he That's was awesome that I did that. And so he just decided, yeah, you know, let's jam together and we'll do this. Not knowing anything about his character until later on when we spoke and become friends that he was looking for people that you, one, you could rely on and depend on and two that, you know, produce good quality for things that, that you wanted for it. Cause you know, for games, you need at least good polish. So mm-hmm. with that, we went on to ship a lot more games. So with the ground, I, the, I played the game first. We had a prototype about two years ago and I just felt this magic in it when I was playing it and I, it was so smooth, like the art, we have a, a great artist named Aaron who's on the, on the team and he was putting in all the art together. And then uh, David from fancy fish had put in the code and his wife, Natalie was putting in all the, almost some of the writing along with David and they're working together. And when I was playing it, I was like, wow, this is really fluid. This is, this feels like it's done. <laughs> and so yeah. when it, when that moment happens for me, when I feel like it's done or like it's farther along than I had ever conceived it in my mind to be, the music just starts rolling in, in my head and the sound and the whatever like that. And I'm able to just be creative and get to work as fast as the day when I was being proactive for anything. And that's awesome. With that, I, 
it took me a long time to come up with the theme. It took me, I think, over a month. And the reason it took me over a month is because I had so much of that anxious feeling of that finish when I played the game, I couldn't put it out right away. I had to mm. lay it out. I had to really extend it and piece it together. I was really like painting like Bob Ross style, but not as fast as yeah. Bob Ross. <laughs> right. And yeah. so that is the process of normally what that I went into with this, with this whole project is I, I do sit at the keyboard. I come up with melodies for themes for different areas of the game. I believe everything should have its own identity. I should believe it have its own symbolism and, and moments. And because I always put myself in the player's shoes first, I am not the composer first. I am mm. hence why I've, played the game first before I wrote anything. Now, some people will do the opposite and most of us won't have the, the game design document or maybe even some art too. We won't have a build, but you'll have the other stuff. But mm-hmm. with me, I was fortunate to have that. And I'm always thinking about what the, what the player or the gamer will enjoy. And yeah, that's so smart, man. It's important because yeah. the first thing I think about when I'm writing after that is how monotonous is this going to be? So going into ground, I decided to have a through composed approach, which was shunned upon by one of my friends. I love my friend. He's great. But he and said, can you like, explain a little bit about what that term means that you just said? Shunned upon? No, oh, no, no, uh, no, no. Don't expand on that. That's sad. Um, expand on through composed. Yeah, through compose is a writing form in terms of which there there's there's like an A B form and an A B A form, and there's sonata form, sonata allegro form. These are all classical styles of, of a way to write in terms of where your themes will come in and out of. And through mm. compose means that it just goes literally all the way through. It, it it's may not a loop. Not, Right. It, it okay, may not touch back. It may not touch back to the A section or the B section. It, but if it does, it's still it's going A, B, C, D, E, F, so on and so forth, all the way down. Get, you, as opposed gotcha. to like an A, B form. I'm forgetting like this. Uh, there's ternary, so it's A, B, A form or other things of that nature. So yeah, through compose, I I realize keeps it less monotonous. Is a, is, a, is, a, is a writing technique that I had discovered on my own without doing any research. I know it already exists and other composers have done it, but I had thought about it in terms of, it, of a way to kind of keep things pro- progressing since the game is a lot about progression mm-hmm. and always keeping things fresh. And that was the main saver and the main technique of writing the ground. So did you, um, when you, when you came up with these iterations of the melody and you finally landed on one that you really liked, um, just kind of curious as far as the technical side of the process, do you then take your, um, like, do you write it down or do you notate it in a particular kind of software? Um, and then once you do, um, maybe talk through some of the tools, the VSTs that you like to kind of make those ideas a reality. Sure. Sometimes I write pen and paper uh, for one of the pieces that I wrote for Ground. It's called uh, Isle of Lament or Lament of the Isle, one of the two. And I think it's Lament of the Isle. And I wrote a four-part harmony. 
and which I haven't done since college, which is nice community college. And I put it in, I didn't usually when those happen there for choral pieces or, or quartets, but this one, I would try to use the technical form of like just using synths was extremely challenging for me because I wanted it to be pretty and beautiful and have, and also not get too away from the, the mood and the art style of the game. And Mm. Other times I just write straight into the DAW. So f- usually if I was at a piano, I would record. What I do is if I'm at a piano, I would record my idea on the piano on my phone. I just have that. Then I reorchestrate it or something into the DAW, which is a digital audio workstation. Or in my case for I write music in is Cubase when okay. it works. And, <laughs> and from there, I have certain... I have a sound palette that I created for the game specifically. And what that means is Mm -hmm. I have specific instruments that I've used consistently throughout the entire entire soundtrack, maybe with a few new additions here and there, depending on like the mood that I'm trying to convey. And for the VSTs or the virtual instruments that I'm using is uh, silent. I have Panzer tank. I have, which is like an FM synth style. I'm okay. Using reactor patches for for different modes and moods. Uh, I'm using some. I I like these vintage Yamaha keyboards, and their sound fits extremely well with the projects I've been using. I love vintage. I love the like the DX7. Yes, I love the sound of the DX7, dude. That I thing have is timeless. One of those in there. I have the ANX1 awesome. in there. I have uh, let's see, I have the SY85 a little bit in there That's as well. And one. I found these in sound font form, and then I just kind of malip- manipulate them in the in the DAW, and until I get like the sound that I'm kind of looking for and the approach. So if I'm like I said, it's the melody first, or the, or if I'm if I'm having a cool chord progression moment, then I have that, and then usually I haven't I've been staying away from rhythm because I know that it's in a lot of my other compositions. So I'll add a little bit in and out of this, excuse me, of this specific game soundtrack that I'm scoring currently. Mm-hmm. So when you um so um when you're writing, do you ever have moments where you kind of have writer's block or you feel like you kind of wake up and the stuff that you're putting out is just not good do you ever have those days i mean i'm sure it's kind of a rhetorical question because i guess everyone who's creative right we all have those days um how do you overcome that how do you push through that even just mentally you know in terms of not getting discouraged that kind of thing sure I got an answer for you. It's going to be good. As I do get writer's block sometimes, what I realize my writer's block is now is more of it's, it's not of how it's usually how to finish or how to start. It's not normally anything in between. As long as I keep Mm. the, what's ironic about that is the starting point is usually the hardest, but it should be the easiest for me because I already have a sound palette together. So I should know what it's going to sound like. I have all these, these, certain presets, these, these things, these instruments I've carved out the timbres for. And what I realized I had made a list of how to overcome those when I hit them. And so I'll be happy to share that list with you. (laughs) That is fantastic, dude. So for those of you who don't see the video, Chase has a uh, journal, like the kind that you wrote in an elementary school composition (laughs) book with like the, the black and white 
checkered. He'd grabbed it like a like quick draw. He was ready for this question. So, and you weren't even you weren't even uh, preempted on this. So that's I'm impressed, man. I'd love to hear. I'd love to hear the list. Excellent. Or at least a few. <laughs> yeah, the this is my composition book, and I wrote underneath. It speaks for itself, and it has like that, that <laughs> <laughs> that's true. It says composition book right on the front, and then I have my little sticker on the back. <laughs> oh, nice! That's awesome. <laughs> uh, so the what I, I came up with this list about a year ago, and I realized that it's actually really, really, really useful. So the first one on the list I have is take time away. The other one is do something else related. And so I guess what that means is maybe go practice one of your repertoire pieces or learn a new repertoire piece or, or a song that you want to learn. The next thing is copy other work, question mark. So what I mean by that is try to emulate someone else's style that you like and see if you can come close to that sometimes just in doing those two things i just said which was like maybe go practice or copying someone else's work a tiny little idea might come out of that and you know what the old mm. adage is good composers borrow and great composers steal but you got to be careful right. i'm not condoning <laughs> any any thief things going on copyrights do exist but you know it's yeah. okay to be inspired just don't straight up lift and, and put them paste. Right. Otherwise you're going to end up getting sued. Like all the stuff happening with Ed Sheeran and exactly. All that stuff, so <laughs> right, right. Uh, let's see. The other thing on the list is refer to fiddle slash idea tracks. So I guess that means if you were, if you had something that was festering before and you forgot, maybe you, or if you're having this writer's block, you can go back to an old session that you maybe didn't finish because you didn't think it was good enough that day or you weren't feeling it, open it up and see what happens with it. See if there's something in there that is hiding that you can bring into life of what you're trying to finish currently. The other thing is singing. Singing is huge. If you, mm, I found totally. that if you sing, a lot of ideas come out. Actually, that's been the most thing that's got me through a ground through certain writer block is I'll take the time away, but my time away is I'll have the music play in, around in the room and I'll just go like wash dishes or just clean up a little bit. Like maybe I got a vacuum or something, but I'm, I'm singing or when it's quiet or something, when I'm not making the noise, I'll sing and I'll just like hum or do little weird things and try different intervallic things of that nature and something will come yeah. up. And uh, the, the side benefit of that is that, you know, most of the most memorable music just in life is singable. Right. You know what I mean? And so exactly. it's like if you dun, 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 I just butchered that, but Star Wars theme, it's like we can <laughs> all sing that. And so there's something lyrical, you know what I mean? There's something awesome about singing music when you uh, know that if if it gets stuck in your own head and you can sing it, then you know it's going to get stuck. It, it's It's got a higher likelihood of getting stuck in the heads of your listeners, and they'll right. also be able to sing it in their car or, you know, that sort of thing. So there's that added benefit of really making your melodies lyrical. Yeah. The other one is release limitations. Uh, play on instruments you're not familiar with. So, mm. for example, I, I have this, man. a kalimba that I don't know how to play to. Do well and <laughs> i have a awesome. harmonica uh but these things when you're when you're filling around with that stuff it's still music it's still you're unlocking something within yourself you're unlocking something 
that is supposed to be made that you're going to, you know, make of some sort. The other and thing it's is fresh, you know, it's because exactly. sometimes when we have our piano or our guitar or our main instrument, we go back to the same tropes, you know, the same chords, the same keys, the same melodies, but you pick up an instrument that you don't know, like you pick up a ukulele and it's like, okay, I need to figure out chords and, and the way that they, the way that they're voiced differently, it just, it sparks new ideas. So I, I absolutely love that, man. Thank you. Uh, I got a three left. So it's the other one that I do a lot and I found is really helpful is improvising. Mm, okay. Improvise, improvisation is king to me. I When I don't know what I want to do, I just hit record and I just start playing on, on the keyboard. And nine times out of 10, I use it. That's it awesome. Out, it works. It That is the that, that's like when you don't have time for an inspiration to hit you. You don't have time to do this other stuff. You don't have yeah. time to read. <laughs> Improvise. That will yeah. save you. <laughs> the other thing the deadlines is, are coming up. There's no time for inspiration when a deadline is looming. Exactly. The other thing is starting with two measures. If you, I know I said release your limitations, but sometimes some people work with limitations. So if you have two measures to write, it doesn't seem as daunting as writing four to seven minutes of music. Because mm, yeah, that's true. Measures, I was told by a writing teacher or like an actual, not a composition, but like when you're writing a paper for something, they were saying, if you can write two pages, you can write five pages. You can write five pages, you write 10. If you write 10, you can write a hundred. And that was their idea. And I thought it was ridiculous. I was like, there's no way, but he was right. Mm -hmm. He was totally right. If I could write that, I could write more. And I got, as I progressed in college, I was writing bigger papers and it was, became a lot easier. And so when people were like, you got to write 25 pages, like, Oh no, it was like piece of cake. <laughs> that's awesome um the last thing i want to share is something that i don't think many people have discovered and i might be the first to kind of share it and this is use a friend's phone number as a chord progression what in explain that <laughs> so you know that the basic chord progression num has a phone number right <laughs> Um, the, the four, seven, three, six, two, five, one. That's usually the yes. order of how the chords will kind of go. And you can always go back, you know, from one to four and cycle through and it'll always be in structured form. Have you yes, ever tried yes, yes. using someone else's phone number? It's the same thing. Wow. No, I have not. <laughs> what do you do for the zeros? So for the zero, so what I wrote in my book was you can let your theory guide you to determine the, like the key and the tempo. So for example, my, my friend's number is six, nine, four, zero, six, three, six. So nine and two are interchangeable intervals. So if I can't use a nine for a chord, you know, some sort, I can use the two chord. If I want to use a zero, I can use a wild card. So maybe I can use a Neapolitan or augmented six chord or whatever, German or Italian or whatever sus chord I can do. It can kind of be like a joker number if, if I yeah. will. This and is so cool, dude. I love stuff <laughs> like this. This is amazing. I'll tell you what, you need to write a blog post. This What you just said just sounds like a blog, but like Chase Pathia has 10 tips for getting out of writer's block and <laughs> yeah. you just explain all that. Done. I'll if do it. If you won't write it. I will, man, because it I needs write to be it. written. Okay, you write it. You write it. <laughs> I'm that glad that so you like great. it, I'm glad. That I love it. I love it, man. And I, and I hope everyone listening loves it, too, because that those are some incredible tips. I'm already thinking of, like, my wife's phone number. She's got a 252, which Ooh. would be pretty interesting. Yeah. Like a minor two, dominant fi dominant two, and then 252, 2881. 
I'll have to think about that. But that is that is so cool, man. I, I really like that. Um, so I want to talk a little bit, you know, aside from just being a, a great composer and doing game jams, what do you think have been some of the principles or the um, this, uh, the the milestones of your success, whether these are soft skills, communication skills, the way that you talk to people, you know, um, maybe talk a little bit about what you think has led you to your success thus far, aside from, you know, obviously just composing great music. Staying humble and being a good person. I was lucky and born to have been raised by wonderful women and you know, also have my father and, you know, around as during my childhood and growing up. But, you know, my mom taught me about being, you know, a man of my word, which goes for accountability. And, and also like I was taught to be proactive, which bled into being proactive with, you know, work. Yeah, uh, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, I was bullied when I was younger in, in school. And so I guess I learned that, you know, I was always taught like treat others the way you would like to be treated. Mm-hmm. And I knew that it was important to just be nice and nobody likes someone who's mean <laughs> and they yeah, usually don't, true, they don't get very far. They, they may yeah. get somewhat far, but they don't get very, very far. Like there's, there's no longevity. And mm-hmm just i would say it's like home upbringing and experiences that i've had in my childhood to understand what i could like what i end up being as a person is what made me somewhat successful thus yeah. far that's really just, cool man thank you yeah. so much for sharing that that's awesome um last question when you look forward you know down the tunnel of time at your own music career, your own projects. What's something that you're really looking forward to in the future? Winning that a ground award for best music. <laughs> oh yeah. I at saw the, the guys. <laughs> yes. Is it too late to vote? Cause I can, we can plug that right now. Uh, it's never too late, but the game doesn't come out until later this October. So it, it'll be, it'll be a long shot, but that, that would be, that would be nice. I, I thought I was going to at least get nominated for some award from a past project that I did called Reality, which is a visual novel, but I digress. So I would, we will, I would we like will put to the win link. the award for music of some sort, whatever project that is in, in, in the near future. I've been nominated in the industry, which is extremely humbling, especially since I was up against like pretty big names and such. That's awesome. Well, I will put the link to vote in the description if you guys want to help out an indie composer check it out um it looks like an awesome game fantastic cool man well dude it has been an absolute delight speaking with you today it's been a real pleasure where can people find out more about you uh listen to your music maybe hire you yeah that i am always on twitter at chase bethea b-e-t-h-e-a if you want to hear more of my music i have all the links to all the platforms that everybody wants to listen to mostly youtube is first and bandcamp and itunes and spotify and everything else and that website is www.chasebethea.com and that is the hub for everything that you can find me on all the social media platforms all the music platforms that i can possibly think of i i'm not hard to find there's only two chase Batheas in the world so (laughs) okay fantastic well that's good to know well awesome dude Thank you so much. It's been fantastic speaking you, with you Matt. and uh, best of luck to you in the future, man. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Thank you, man. I appreciate it. 
Well, guys, I really hope you enjoyed that conversation with Chase. I think there's a ton that we can take away from that. And thanks again, Chase, for being a part of the show. I wanted to mention for anyone in the northern part of the United States, uh, VGM Con is happening very soon, February 22nd to 24th. And I will be there uh, moderating a panel on video game music theory with 8-bit music theory himself. I'm super excited and I would love to meet anyone listening. If anyone here is in that area, uh, you can check out vgmcon.org for more information. So really hope to see you guys there. Thanks again. We'll see you on the next episode.